Grab your Bible and uh, we're going to turn over to Proverb 22 as we move into sort of a new section. Let's see if you can pick up where. I think you can because I'll probably say it. But but we're moving in, into a new section um, in the book of Proverbs. And you, you we have to remember there's several places in the book of Proverbs that say you have to, we have to, us, we apply our hearts to what God is saying to us. Uh, this isn't just some magical pixie dust or fairy dust that the Lord sprinkles on you and says, here, read this and everything will go exactly as you say. I mean, you, you cooperate with the Lord here and he is going to tell us again to, tonight that we do that, that we're to apply uh, what we learn, that we're to cooperate with him, that he tells us these truths, but you know, if we don't obey them, then what's that? And these aren't, again, these are general truths that describe an environment that you put your family in or you put yourself in, in order for things to happen according to the way in which the proverb turns out or the way in which the proverb says it's going to turn out. And, but, uh, it doesn't always happen that way. For instance, train up a child in the way he or she should go. He should go. And when he's old, he'll do not depart from it. Well, that's telling you that you and I and we are to train our kids for however long they're with us. Train them in the godliness of the Lord. But our kids have free will. And this is a general principle. And... You know, once they turn 18, it doesn't guarantee that they're going to follow the Lord. There has to be a cooperation between the child and the Lord. But you, as a parent, are to train, not just teach. And so it's a general truth, and we'll get to that. That's like one of the famous ones. You hear, as a pastor, I have people come to me and say, listen, I trained up my child in the way he or she should go, and now... You know, they're 25 and they're not walking with the Lord. But look, it says it right here. Well, it's because it's a general truth that tells us how we are to do certain things and make an environment in our home. But ultimately then, people choose. Some of my friends will get mad at me for saying that word. But, you know, the Lord uh, guides us and then we have to make up our mind. Are we going to go down this path or that path? And so um, it's very interesting. And so we're, we're going to get to uh, chapter 22, verse 17 tonight, where this shifts, this shifts a little bit. We've been now for several chapters, beginning in Proverbs chapter 10. We've been moving through these uh, almost entirely, but not quite entirely, two-phrase wisdom sayings of Solomon's. And some say there's very little arrangement uh, or to the theme or context, but other people say there's it's highly organized. I'll let you uh, study that debate, uh, you know, later. But most people believe that the section beginning at 2217 starts a new section, and uh, it's called, by most people, the 30 wise sayings of Solomon, because there are 30 wise sayings that start in chapter 22, verse 22, but before that, he gives us, you know, like an introduction here, 
And one of the things he says is, have I not, verse 20, written to you excellent things of counsels and knowledge? And actually, there's a debate in the Hebrew whether the excellent thing is excellent or 30. I'm not a Hebrew scholar. I'm just telling you what I read. And the reason that's important is because there is a very well-known Egyptian wisdom writing that existed during the time of Solomon called Amenemepi, the writings of whatever, A, I'll say A because I can't say it very well. You could look it up or I'll tell you how to spell it. And it was very well known throughout the ancient world and it had 30 wise sayings. So many people believe Solomon, listen to this, who not only was wise and discerning because God gave him the wisdom, he was well-read and he knew of this wisdom uh, literature and he decided under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit that he was going to write his own 30 wise sayings in light of the 30 wise sayings, the famous Egyptian one, to awaken the people of God and to witness to the Egyptian folks. Isn't that interesting? So that's where we're headed. And that uh, lasts from 22 verse 17 all the way to 24, 22 there, okay? And we're not going to get through it tonight, but uh, that's where we're headed. We start, though, in chapter 22 verse 1 where it says a good name is to be chosen rather than great riches. And the first thing I want you to see here is there's a choice. Chosen. If we're to apply ourselves to the biblical wisdom that God has for us, he's saying that the whole foundation of all biblical wisdom is fearing respecting, living in wonder and awe of the Father in heaven. The beginning of wisdom is the fear of the Lord. That's the theme of this book. And as we do that, there's something that we, or as we live like that, there's something that we do. We decide that one of the things that we're going to do and pursue is a great name. That riches are seductive and can be handled by some people, but generally riches lead us in a strange path. But a good name is to be chosen even over riches. So what is a good name? It's a good reputation. The Bible says in New Testament, as much as it's up to you, you, me, live in peace with all men. So you are a peaceful person as a a Christian. You are a person of love, of forgiveness, of righteousness, and you're obviously going to come into conflict with people. I mean, the early Christians did, but you're to maintain love and peace and joy, and you're to actually choose it so that your reputation, as much as it's up to you, as you have a, you know, a good conscience before the Lord, have done all the things that are peaceful and right. And a reputation there follows that's very good. That's even more important or greater than riches. And riches, you know, in the world are magnificent thing. But also, what else, what else in the uh, Bible 
does the name of people represent? Character. When we talk about all the names of God, we're studying the character of God, the attributes of God. So not only are we to choose a good reputation, but listen, we're to choose great character. And the way in which we develop character, right, is in the times many people have written about this, when we're by ourselves. Uh, many people have written, you know, who you are really is who you are when you're by yourself. Isn't that interesting? <laughs> And so, what is character? It's godliness and joy and love and peace and and forgiveness and uh, deferring to others. And praise the Lord that we're not left just to ourselves in that area. We have the Holy Spirit of God to develop fruit in our lives, Galatians tells us, that are God-honoring and are from God so that we can refresh and bless others. See, that's the life we're after. And the proverb writer here, Solomon, knows it. A good name is to be chosen. Good name is to be chosen rather than great riches. Loving favor rather than silver and gold. Where your treasure is, not where your heart is. Think about that. Where your treasure is, the things that your treasure is, there's where your heart follows. It's not where your heart is, there your treasure will be. That's not what the Bible says. And so you love favor. You love character and peace and reputation. Not in the sense, though, that you're, um, uh, you know, uh, fearful and driven by man's thoughts of you. But you're uh, driven by God's thoughts of you. And when you're there, Good name follows generally. And you know, even in this environment where people are yelling and screaming across the cable news channels at each other, you're a Christian, you're a bigot, you're whatever, you're you're left and you're this and you're that. Even in that environment, oftentimes, you know, when the rubber hits the road and somebody who's not a believer has something happen to them that's catastrophic, maybe a death or something else, even after they've called people names or talked about them or whatever, when they have something catastrophic happen, they run to the Christians a lot of times. So hang in there. A good name is to be chosen rather than great riches. Do you understand how you have to cooperate with the Lord right there? Because when you get out into business, there's going to be this, uh, you're going to be enticed to go this way towards the riches. And sometimes it's going to divert, you know, take a right hand and a left hand. And so a good name is to be chosen. But how about this? The rich and the poor have this in common. The Lord is the maker of them all. (laughs) And so oftentimes the rich people of the world or the powerful people of the world have all that power and all that fame and have all the the pull and can do lots of things. And the poor are disadvantaged at that. But in the end, we recognize that the Lord is the creator of all men and women. 
And if you happen to be rich, and really, folks, I would almost say that everyone in here is rich. If you go to a third world country, I mean, you're rich. But even here, if you're comparing yourself rich or poor, maybe there's some wealthy people in here. And one of the greatest tests of character, verse 1, is how a person handles wealth and or poverty. One of the greatest tests of character is how you handle your money, whether it's wealth or whether it's the other side of that. And if you're rich, a great test of your character is how you treat people who can do nothing for you. guess that's the same for anybody, really, but you know what I'm saying. And the rich and poor have this in common, that the Lord is the maker of them all. And a wise man or a prudent man, listen to this, foresees evil and hides himself. It's not that he's wimpy or a sissy or something or a you know, uh, doesn't have courage, but a wise man can foresee evil, you see. It means that they're, in my opinion, a nimble, a right divider of the word. A woman or a man is a right divider of the word and can look into the world and see circumstances and situation that's going to lead to evil, and they uh, 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 hide themselves. They let the danger pass. They don't put themselves out there in danger, but the simple pass on and are punished. Why? Because they don't have wisdom and they can't perceive danger. Like, for instance, there's danger in bad theology, folks. And I know some of the scriptures we're to call out false prophet or false teachers and all that sort of thing, but we don't have to jump at everything that comes down the pike here. When you know the Bible in and out, when you recognize, you can recognize something that's a counterfeit, and it's dangerous sometimes. I mean, you study Jim Jones. Jim Jones was a denominational pastor in Indiana, if you know who I'm talking about. And he started out in a denomination and was fine, and he became very charismatic, and I don't mean charismatic like theologically, He was charismatic personally, and it got to his head. And uh, he said a lot of Christian things and obviously moved his folks out to, I guess, California and then down to Guyana or whatever, and we know how that ended. But a wise man foresees evil and hides himself, lets the danger pass. Listen to this, by humility and fear of the Lord, how about, I want, I want you to mark this down for yourself. By humility and fear of the Lord, humility is a good view of yourself. Do you understand that? And we could go into um, a number of different areas, like Paul, for instance. I mean, come on, Paul. He travels the historical ancient world and he's writing a book to the corinthians and he actually says which is really unbelievable who is sufficient for this see he knew he was not sufficient he was insufficient 
to do the ministry that God had called him to because he needed the Lord every hour. And you can read even into 2 Corinthians 4 there. He goes on and talks about that. But humility is a good view of self. It's that there's nothing good in me. There's no righteousness and that I need Lord, not just for salvation, but to live. by. I need to live by the grace of God. I need his resource. I need his strength. I need his ability. See, what happens is in the Christian church a lot, and you're going to see a lot of these scriptures in here, what we tend to do is we say, oh, that person's in the dumps and or whatever, not doing so well. Let's let's build them back up. And yeah, we do want to build them back up, but we want to build them back up in a healthy view of who they are and who God is. We don't want to create people who pick themselves up off their or by their bootstraps and do it themselves. Amen? Because all we're doing is setting them up for another big fall. We want them to be strong in the Lord and in His mighty power. And the way in which we do that is we live by humility. God gives grace to the humble and opposes the proud. And He says it three times in the Bible. It's really important. So humility... By humility and fear of the Lord. Fear of the Lord is a good view of God. So we have a great view of ourselves. On this side of the cross, who are we? We're sinners who've been saved by grace. And apparently, Paul, after he was saved, you can read 6, 7, 8, Romans, said, why in the world do I do the things I want to do? I don't do the things I want to do, and the things I don't want to do, I do. He had this internal struggle continuing on. And so he knew that we're to be humble and to recognize when we are weak, he is strong. The greatest thing that we can do is have a good view of ourselves. We're sinners saved by grace who need Jesus every hour. Did we sing that tonight? Anyway. We need thee every hour. We sing something like that. But every hour, and you know what? When you really come down to it, we need Jesus every second. I don't know about you, but I can get off the rails within an hour. How about you? So you have a great view of yourself. You start to understand who you are and who you need, and then you have this great understanding of God. You have a fear of the Lord. And what comes, look at this, are riches and honor, and life. Now, we're going to pause here for a minute. Riches. I'm going to be rich. And I don't think it means that. It could mean that. You might be material blessed, and you you know that one of the spiritual gifts that the Bible uh, calls out or spells out is giving. Giving can be a spiritual gift. But, Look at this. Just turn over if you want. If you don't want to, I'll read it to you. 2 Corinthians and chapter 8 and verse 9. As we look at and understand a great view of ourselves and a great view of God. 8 verse 9, 2 Corinthians. For you know the grace. There it is, folks. Grace. God's resources. Grace, you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, and make no mistake, folks, he was the richest of the rich. 
the Son of God, in heaven, yet for your sakes, not just he became poor, I want you to see that. He didn't just become poor, he became poor for your sake, and for your sake, and for my sake, and for your sake. He wants you to benefit from him becoming poor. He came out of the heavens. In fact, in Psalm 22, the Messiah is called a worm. He became a worm. A worm. I mean, you ever thought, I mean, he became a baby. Diapers. Baths. Hungry. Showers, whatever. Sleepy. And on and on. He became poor that you, through his poverty, listen, the richest of the rich became poor. In such, he became so poor, he was in poverty. Why? That you become rich. When this is talking back here in Psalm, or excuse me, Proverbs 22, by humility and fear of the Lord. Wait a minute, you become rich? Now, how do you become rich? Well, I do this often, so this isn't anything new, but we're going to do it again. I want you to see how rich you are. So would you turn with me to Ephesians chapter 1. When I'm feeling down, low, here's what I prescribe for myself, and maybe you'll do it too. I just turn over to Ephesians. I think Ephesians is about how rich we are. (laughs) This will take a little bit. Look in verse 3. Chapter 1. I wonder if we've read it so much we don't marvel at it. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us. Listen, folks. You have available to you right now every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Check it off. Go put it and you know, I don't know. Think in your mind of your spiritual bank account, every spiritual blessing that there ever was or ever is right there. Just look at, look, look how rich you are as he chose us in him. You have every spiritual blessing. Okay. Start counting with me. We're going to go toes, fingers, and he chose you. I mean, is it a blessing to be chosen or not? If you're chosen by the richest of the rich, boom, uh, that we should be holy and without blame before him. Having predestined us to adoption as sons or daughters, you've been adopted by Jesus Christ to himself. You've been adopted to Jesus Christ. It may be you had a terrible home life here. Your dad was bad to you. Your mom was bad to you. But maybe you had a great home life. Fantastic for that. Whatever. You're adopted by Jesus himself. Why? Why, why does he do it? He, and, and it's funny in here. He tells you why he does it. I don't know. I might have been more generic about the writing. But he says, I did this, or he did this, because it was according to his good pleasure of his will. It was pleasing to him. To do what he did. You know how rich you are? I am, you are, we are. 
by which he made us accepted. You ever been not accepted by somebody or someplace? Man, that's not fun. To be rejected or not accepted. You ever been with a friend group and the other friend group said, don't go with those losers or something like that. And you're like, what? I What? Jesus, no, he accepts us and he accepts you in the beloved. It's a loving family that he brings you into. Look at all, look at all. I don't, I've lost count, but we're at six or seven. In him, we have redemption through his blood. We've been redeemed, bought back, placed into life to do what we always were meant to do, live for him. That's redemption. Are you getting bored yet? See, I'm not getting bored here. I could do this every day, just recounting the spiritual things that are true of you if you're in Christ. You've had had your sins forgiven. Now, you might just want to blow over that, but remember some of the sins you did. Whew. According to what? The riches of his grace, which he made to abound toward us in all wisdom and prudence, having made known to us the mystery of, the, of his will, according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in himself, that in the fullness of the dispensation of the fullness of times, he might gather together in one all things in Christ, both which are in heaven, which are on earth, and him. In him also, here it comes. Who here likes to, I mean, to get the good stuff or the stuff? Well, in him also we've obtained an inheritance being predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of will. Listen, that we who first trusted in Christ should be to the praise of his glory. There's the purpose of your life. To praise and glorify Jesus. Wow. In him, you also trusted after you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation. You were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. There's another one. Don't get bored. This is the proper view of who you are and a proper view of him towards you. This is Proverbs 22. Who's the guarantee, the Holy Spirit's the guarantee of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession to the praise of his glory, the ultimate layaway plan right there. Some of you don't know what layaway is because you're too young. But at Christmas time when we were young, that was a big deal. And I want to just keep going, so I'm going to. Because you're so rich, look in chapter 2, verse 1. Don't forget this. Don't go another day without letting this wash over you. That you he made alive. You were dead in trespasses and sin in which you once walked according to the course of this world, to the prince of the power of the air, You were a child of wrath, it goes on to say. But God, verse 4, who is rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, with which he loved you, even when you were dead. Just put your name in there. Even when Tim was dead, or put your name in there, in trespasses, made Tim alive together with Christ. By grace, Tim's been saved. And put your name in there. And raised us up together and made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Watch, watch, look, look how rich he is. Look how rich you are. That in the ages to come, look at this. 
Don't you love it when somebody's kind to you? Do you like it when somebody's kind to you or do you like it when somebody's mean to you? Kind to you. You do, right? You love it. I like it. You like it? I like it. But watch this. Forever. For forever. He is going to show the exceeding riches of his grace in kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. You say, well, I'm going to ask all these questions in heaven. Really? I don't think so. Maybe you will. Maybe the Lord will do it. I don't know. You're going to be so enamored with his kindness that he's lavishing upon you that the question you had will probably already be explained. But even then, what do you, whatever. He's going to be so kind for by grace you've been saved and you know that. And we, we remember verse 11 that you once Gentiles in the flesh who are called uncircumcision, at that time, you were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenants. But now in Christ Jesus, verse 13, you who were once far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. My goodness. You are so rich. And you know what the Bible says that we're to do, knowing how rich we are, or not knowing, because we're so rich? Listen, we're to walk worthy of our calling. Now, what does that mean? Does that mean I have to be a good little boy? No, not necessarily. I think what that means is with a proper understanding of who you are and who God is, your walk is going to be worthy of royalty because you are royalty. It's a fact. It's not something you produced. It's something you are. And that's amazing. And I've just been trying to bring you to this and we could keep going And I know you're like, move on. But when you get to this in 22, he says, by humility and fear of the Lord, listen, our riches, 100%. Jesus is rich, so you're rich. But you got to know the kind of rich you are. (laughs) And it makes all the difference. And not only are you rich, You have honor. Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Aren't I supposed to honor him? Yeah, you are. (laughs) For sure, 100%. You are to honor him and to bless him and to tell him uh, he's one of all, etc. And yet, look at this. In John 12, 26, in John 12, 26, if anyone serves me, Let him follow me. And where I am, there my servant will be also. If anyone serve me, him or my father will honor. Those who serve Jesus, the father will honor. Come on now. That's a mic drop. That's a staggering. That if you serve our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, the father in heaven will honor you. Now, what do you say when you hear that? Whoa, wait a minute here. So that comes true. And of course, there's life. And you could look in 1 John 5. You could look at a lot of places all through the book of John. We're right there in Ephesians. We just talked about it. We have eternal life, all of life to enjoy our Father. 
That's what this is all about. It's amazing. By humility and fear of the Lord are riches and honor and life. Isn't that great? I hope we never read that proverb in the same way. Thorns and snares are in the way of the perverse. Perverse means crooked. And of course, that applies in in the sexual world or the romantic world, but it doesn't necessarily just have to be that. People can be crooked in all kinds of ways. And he who guards his soul will be far from them. Don't make counsel or friends who are close that are perverse. They'll rub off on you. That's what it says. Do we minister to them? Do we love them? Yes. But that. Train up a child in the way that he should go. I want you to see something. It's not just giving info. You catch that? If I'm training you, Let's go down to the basketball court and I'm going to, or excuse me, I'm going to train you. I'm not just going to tell you, this is the play I want you to do. And we play on Sunday. And did you see how I wrote that on the board? Yeah, I saw how you wrote that on the board. Okay. On Sunday, we're going to write, run that. I guarantee you a hundred percent that'll never work. And because you have to actually train and run through the play. How about this? If I wanted to run a 26 mile marathon. What if I just said, you know, I'm going to get my pace at about, you know, 9.30 there for the first few, and then I'll crank it up there at about 20 miles to about, you know, 8.50, and uh, it'll be a great time, and I'll break my record, and I'm not really going to train for it. I'm just thinking about it, and I have a strategy. No, you, you train. You go out on the days that you don't want, and that's what we're to do with children. What are we to train them in? Loving and responding to the gospel. Loving the word. Responding to the gospel. There's one. Being a family of worship and praise. That's two. Not that, you know, you have your thumb over the kid and you're like, you're doing this and you're... No way. Not that. The Bible says fathers don't exasperate your children. And that they see it in you as you do it. And you ask them to come and to participate. So that, and then one of the things that I think is really important for you as a dad or a mom, as you're training, and this is training, is to serve somewhere. Don't just be a consumer Christian. Go and work it out in faith somewhere and be with them as a family. That's training in the way that he should go. And that implies, by the way, many people in the, who are Hebrew scholars, that implies that each child doesn't go the same way. Even if they're pointing towards Christ, they have different paths. So just because one loves, I don't know, music, doesn't mean your whole family does, and you need to know. And, you know, one of them is, uh, you know, an acts of service person, and the other one is a words of affirmation person. And you, and as a parent, you have to know that and train in such a way because there's a way that they should go. And when he's old, he won't depart on it. He's, or she will come back to that, even if they fall away is the general principle. doesn't always happen. People have free will also. And the rich rules over the poor, and the borrower is servant to the lender. And he's 
obviously, this has talked about it a number of times, be careful of poor lending and buying habits because you can get um, in over your head and become a servant to the lender in the sense that, you know, you can't get out from under it. So be careful. And he who sows iniquity will reap sorrow. You know, sin is fun for a while. But at the end of all sin is death. And praise the Lord that he paid for our sin. But when we practice iniquity, eventually we're going to be sorry about it. It might be fun. We might be riding high for a season. But we're going to crash. And it's going to be sorrowful. The rod of his anger will fail. And he who has a generous eye will be blessed. That is actually a word that sort of means generous and single at the same time, not single or married, but single like in sole purpose. The sole purpose to respond to the Lord, okay, of course. But he who has a single eye, a person who follows the Lord, they'll be generous. And that'll be a blessing, for he gives of his bread to the poor. And isn't that so true? Everybody I've ever heard go to the uh, Monday night uh, homeless ministry. Everybody I've ever heard, they say stuff like this. That was more of a blessing for me. Or anybody I've ever heard go serve somewhere else or go on a mission trip. You know, it was cool to bless them, but I got more blessed. I don't know if that's good grammar, but you get the point. And because it's uh, he who's generous and giving will be blessed. And cast out the scoffer and contention will leave. Yes, strife and reproach will cease. A scoffer is sort of one who doesn't believe. And the, the scoffer in the Proverbs is one who sort of digs their heels in and is always saying, you know, I don't know about that and not a person of faith and They scoff at things. And you know, in the New Testament, we're introduced to that word when we talk about things of the last days, that there'll be scoffers. And isn't that interesting? He who loves purity of heart and has grace on his lips, the king will be his friend. You're going to come into influential places because you have followed the Lord. And I find that to be so true. And you know, you can see it in the Bible, you know, with Joseph, for instance, just following the Lord. Next thing you know, he's a bigwig in a foreign country. And he has access and he gets to talk about the Lord. And there's several of these proverbs in here. And the eyes of the Lord preserve knowledge, but he overthrows the words of the faithless. The eyes of the Lord preserve knowledge, but he overthrows the words of the faithless. Wise people, look, become more and more faithful and trusting. Now you got to think about this. This is subtle. Because when people become wise in the ways of the world... Guess what happens ultimately? It's like, hey, I don't need anybody. I'm a smart guy. I built this company or whatever, and uh, I've done it on my own. I don't need that. 
And there's a way in which we got to watch it as Christians. As we become more wise, there's a tendency to say, we don't need this, we don't need that, I'm wise. But he overthrows the words of the faithless. Now watch this. The lazy man says, there's a lion outside. I shall be slain in the streets. They always find reasons, makes excuses not to work or to step out in faith. <gasps> well, I can't right now. My kid's too young or whatever, you know. There's always an excuse. And in the realm of work, we see that a lot, but even in the realm of faith. Well, you know, the Lord called me to start that home Bible study. Hmm. Well, it's been five years. What's going on? <laughs> or whatever. Well, there's a lion outside. And that's the, that's the, uh, uh, what they're talking about here. 14. The mouth of an immoral woman is a deep pit. He who is abhorred by the Lord will fall there. Abhorred by the Lord. Ooh. Watch out in terms of romance. Follow the Lord in the, in ways of romance. I've been saying it here for a couple months. Everybody wants to follow the Lord. And then it comes to romance and all bets are off. It's one area where people don't want to follow the Lord. They just want to stick their heads in the sand. But here it says, watch that. It's another warning. Foolishness is bound up in the heart of a child. We're not all inherently good. We're all inherently sinful and foolish. Even when we're in the little crib there. He who is abhorred by, by the Lord will fall, or excuse me, foolishness is bound up in the heart of a child. The rod of correction will drive it far from him. You have to be a person of discipline. And not just say discipline with your kids, but actually fall, follow through on discipline. You should never really say and ignore, you know, if that happens, I'm going to do this and then not do it. That's a, that's a um, uh, prescription for lots of different things that you don't want in the child. Well, he who presses the poor to increase his riches and he who gives to the rich will surely come to poverty. The Lord has a powerful, compassionate heart for people who are vulnerable, including the poor, doesn't he? Now watch. It's as if Solomon just says right here, wake up. And I know I can see some of your eyes and I'm saying, wake up. <laughs> because Solomon says here, there's this writing out there that a lot of people know about the 30 wise saying over in Egypt. I'm going to write 30 wise saying that the Lord gave me. That's what, that's what he's saying right here. And watch, he does this little preamble, incline your ear. You have a part in receiving the word of God, A. You, you're to prepare your heart and prepare your ears and to receive wisdom. That's why, okay, uh, listen, if you came in here and you don't have it, I'm not picking on you. Bring a notebook. It doesn't, wherever you go to church, people who are way better than me, bring a notebook, write it down, don't forget it. Put it in your phone, whatever. Be serious about studying the Word of God. Write down what the Lord is speaking to you through the Word. 
incline your ear and hear the words of the wise and apply your heart to my knowledge. Apply. This is speaking. This is language like try. (laughs) Don't just sit there. Obey. Go out into the world. That's this language and do it. Try to do it with my help. That's what he's saying here. You get it? He's not saying listen to it in the sanctuary and go and live like hell. He's saying here, apply this, obey, for it's a pleasant thing if you keep them within you. Keep them within you. Memorize. Keep it here. That's why these things are short. Let them all be fixed upon your lips. Man, the Proverbs right there, just coming out in your heart, right there in your lips, so that your your trust may be in the Lord. True wisdom, like I said before makes us more dependent on God, not less. We're not building up people as disciples here. Look, we're not building up people as disciples here so that they'll depend on God less. You get it? That's what the world does. We're building up disciples so you'll depend upon God more with a right perspective of who you are and who God is. That's amazing. That's what he says here. And so that your trust may be in the Lord, I've instructed you today, even you. Have I not written to you? Excellent. Some people think that says 30 right there. My, Does anybody have in their translation? There you go. King James, what is it? What is it? ESV, what do you got? NIV, there you go. Some people have 30. Other people have excellent. Have I not written to you 30 excellent things of counsels and knowledge that I may make you know the certainty of the words of truth? He wants you to make you more confident in truth. This book is designed to make you more confident in truth. You get it? And so that you may answer words of truth to those who send to you and that you can speak out in the culture. When you go downtown, downtown Pittsburgh with tracks and you're thinking you're going to do the evangelical tracks and somebody says, why did my wife die? You're going to be like, "Uh, okay, I need wisdom right here, Lord. Why do I have cancer? Why don't I have a job? That This is saying right here that you may answer words of truth to those who send to you, those who send to you are sent to you. Get it? Okay. What does he say here? This is interesting. Don't rob the poor because he's poor or crush the afflicted at the gate. There when you're at the gate, you're, you're trying to be around the rich and powerful. And the Lord has a heart for the poor. Don't oppress the poor, you know, here. <laughs> because if you do oppress the poor, watch this, for the Lord will plead their cause and plunder the souls of plunder them. If you oppress the poor, if you take advantage of the poor, you don't have to face the authorities. You might have to face the authorities. You have to face the Lord. I have to face the Lord for that. That's what this proverb says. It's a wise saying. Don't take advantage of vulnerable people. Wow. Make no friendship with an angry man. Why? And with a furious man, don't go, lest you learn his ways and set a snare for your soul. A dangerous or a friendship with an angry man, he's a dangerous companion. And his habit of being angry, it may rub off on you. And you might get caught. 
is what this is saying. So what should you be at home in the quiet of your house with the people you live with? Well, get with the Lord and ask him to solve your anger or change your anger and be one of joy and speaking and building people up. How about that? Don't be one of those who shakes hands in a pledge, one of those who is surety for debts. Don't sign as a co-signer. This is what it's sort of saying. Don't make some dumb transaction where you sign up as some sort of co-signer, as surety for a debt. That's always a bad prescription. Because if you have nothing with which to pay, why should he take away your bed from under you? Because... What's happening here is your personal property could be at stake. You could also, as we learned earlier, could be put into servanthood back in the ancient times. So be really careful. Don't remove the ancient landmark which your fathers have set. This is fascinating. You know, in Israel, right, they would put like pins down like we have today, but they'd do it with those, what are those things called when they build up the rocks? Yeah, not pillar. What? A cairn. Is that what you said back there? Anyway, a cairn on the property bounders. And what would happen was people who lived next to them, guess what they'd do? They'd come out in the nighttime and they'd set them to their advantage farther or closer or whatever. And the Bible actually says in Leviticus that people who move the boundaries of others are to be cursed because they're stealing. And what he's saying here is don't be... Uh, uh, you know, uh, don't have integrity in your dealings in business. Interesting that Solomon is saying, wake up to these things and make them known in your heart, in your ear, and have them on your tongue. And then finally, do you see a man who excels in his work? Folks, I laugh when I say, you know, I, you know, you get people that come and they say, uh, you know, I want to get into ministry. And you go, well, wait a second. What do you do for work? Well, I, I don't know. I'm a businessman. Well, brother, you're in ministry. I know what he's trying to say. But you're in ministry because you see a man who excels in work. Colossians 3.23 says... Our work, anything we do, whether we eat or drink or whatever, it's all worship to God. There's no separate box or segregation of the secular and the holy. We live that way. And it says here he'll stand before kings. And he won't stand before unknown man. You you understand that if you do a great job at whatever you do, The general principle is that you're going to have opportunities to share with people you never thought you'd ever have the opportunity to share with. Who here in this room has found that to be true? I've found that to be true. I know some people in here who have shared with the CEOs of major corporations. And the Bible says in Matthew 25, uh, if you're trustworthy, if, if he can trust you in the small things, you'll be entrusted with more things. Anybody know that principle? So you have people come here sometimes. Oh, we had one guy come here. He had been here about three weeks. He asked 
us to teach. We were like, well, we don't know you. How about coming and, you know, serving some other way? Well, he wasn't interested in that. He just wanted to come and teach. Well, how did we know? We didn't know anything about this guy. So we just say get involved in what other people consider small things, but nothing small to the Lord, nothing. There's nothing here that's small to the Lord. And even uh, when Jesus is talking about the Holy Spirit, do you remember that he says, you're going to find yourselves in great tribulation. They're going to persecute you. And then you're going to find yourself before kings and councils. And you're not going to know what to say, but I'm going to give you the words. Well, we focus on the Lord's going to give him the words by the Holy Spirit, but did you notice? The Lord said that his disciples would be before kings and councils. So that's another sin. And so let's close here, but I, you know, I want you to know, I mean, these are things that Solomon knew we were to wake up to. And so I pray, let's pray together as we bow our heads. Lord, we, ha- we pray that you would help us in these things, that we wouldn't just blow by them, that we would incline our ears and hear the words of these wise things that you're telling us through the word. Lord, we want it to be a pleasant thing to be wise and to... Um, you know, be able to navigate all the different things that we have to navigate in life. Lord, help us to trust you more and more and to believe in your truth in deep ways. Help us to share with people who need to hear your gospel. Lord, knit these proverbs to our hearts so we can remember them. We know we can't live without you. In Jesus' name, amen.